Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Song said, you took what the enemy meant for me and you turned it to good. And it's no surprise this morning, it's no surprise to me that we're having technical difficulties. It's no surprise to me that things seem to be just kind of hectic and off this morning. The enemy hates our worship. The enemy hates our praise. The enemy absolutely hates the gospel. But I promise you, Matthew's table, we're never going to let that stop us. We're never going to let that slow us down. We will proclaim the name of Jesus. We will wave the flag of Jesus. We will, also, we will always worship our Jesus. The only announcement that I have this morning is Tina Seaton threatened me to tell y'all to get your jail letters in. So if you're watching this and you're a part of our jail letter ministry, please write your letters to the inmates. Please, um, can y'all hear? Please write your, you know, uh, get your letters in. I couldn't think of a, a, a better time than now that the inmates need that encouragement, that the inmates need to hear the gospel. Um, we love you. You're missed. We can't wait till we gather again. But I'm just going to, all right, let's pause. Nobody can hear? Oh, keep going. So right now, again, no surprise, we're dealing with technical difficulties. The enemy hates what's going on. The enemy hates what we're doing. So I'm just going to stop and pray. I'm just going to stop and thank God for what he's already done. Father, we thank you for today. You are good despite technical difficulties. You are good despite any storms we're going through. You are good despite any trials we may face. You are a good father no matter what, we, uh, what seems to be in our way, no matter what, you know, if things seem to be hectic or not. You are a good God who's on the throne. These are just small things. We're praying for salvation today. We're praying that lives are forever changed. So if te technical difficulties are all we got, we ain't even worried about that. We're going to proclaim your name anyways. We're going to raise a hallelujah anyways. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you could have just heard me, but Tina Seaton told me, so I better get this right. Tina Seaton told me you better get your jail letters in. If you're a part of the jail letter ministry, please write your letters to the inmates. Right now, I couldn't think of a better time that they... Uh, need that encouragement that they need, you know, um, just a, a Christian pouring into them. You know, not things are not only hectic out here, but also in jails. You know, right now I couldn't think of a probably a more scary time to be incarcerated with, you know, wondering does somebody in my cell have the coronavirus? And there's no getting away in there if you're, you know, if someone has the coronavirus in jail, you're stuck. So I just encourage you to be praying for the inmates and those in, in prison. And just to hop right into it, I want y'all to I want to remind y'all that Roger absolutely killed it last week. Everything that he said about pride was on point. Everything that he did besides sing was exactly what I needed to hear. If you didn't know it, and I guess it was an 80s version night, Roger sang a remix of Man in the Mirror, and I think the other thing was Sign Sealed Delivered. I was like, I seen a hip bump and I seen a shimmy and maybe a lean with it, rock with it. But the whole time I was just thinking, 
Roger Chilton, please leave the singing up to me. Please leave that to me, your better half. <laughs> the whole time he was preaching, though, I was like, man, is this Floyd Mayweather? Is this Mike Tyson? Uppercut, left hook, right hook, jab. The whole time I was like, someone called 911. Someone please give me some Band-Aids. I just love when Roger said, you want to be humbled? Then bow at the foot of the cross. The whole sermon was absolutely great. And although he was talking about pride, I was like, how do I even follow this up? The whole time he was preaching and talking about not comparing, I was literally like, this is one of the best sermons that I've heard in my life. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. You can find it on our Facebook or our website at matthewstableonsboro.com. Spring cleaning, it started off with a boom. It started off with a bang. It started off with a deep clean. But we're not done yet. Today, we're going to keep pulling back the rug. Today, we're going to keep on cleaning and see some other areas that may need to be taken care of. Last Sunday, again, it was pride. And from reading all of your Facebook comments, it seemed to be all over the house, my house especially. But this week, we're going to go to a place that things just seem to get tossed away in. Things seem to get put in so no one could see them. This week, we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a visit to our closets and clean those out. We're going to pull out our suit and ties. We're going to pull out our dress shoes. We're going to pull out our, you know, our Sunday's best. Women, you can put on your makeup. Men, you can get a haircut and make sure that you look your Sunday's best. I want you to visualize for, for a moment that Sunday smile. I want you to visualize for a moment Matthew's table world-famous coffee. I want you to visualize the seat that you would be sitting in this morning. Close your eyes for a second and think about the next time we get together, all the arms that you will see lifted up in worship. Think about this very altar being full of people and not having to worship through a screen. I want you to think about for a moment everything that you feel like has been taken away from you during this season. The gathering seems to be taken away. Your very seat that you would be sitting in. Your area that you would be in. There's no bulletins. There's no awkward side hugs. There's no building. Really, it just seems like, what are we going to do? When is this going to be over? I've seen pastors get on Facebook Live and, and say, we must take a stand. We must not let them persecute us. We must stand up for our rights. And I get it. And although I, I appreciate those pastors, I also know that they can take a building, but they can never take our relationship with God. I also know that the people, our people at Matthew's table are still praising God. And I know that they can take it all, but they can never, ever, ever take our relationship with Jesus Christ. Or can they? Have they and will they? Have you let them? Are you waiting for the doors to open back up before you get your worship on? Are you waiting for the prayer team to be able to pray? Are you waiting for Bible study to open up your Bible? 
Are you waiting for the doors of the church to open back up so you think you can be holy, sanctified, and clean? Here's a newsflash. Here's something that I want you to write down. Jesus doesn't call us into religion. Jesus calls us into relationship. There's a big difference that I hope we can spring clean out today. Something that I heard while studying. Religion says do. Jesus says done. Religion says slave. Work, work, work. Jesus says done. Son, religion puts you in bondage. It holds you in captivity. Jesus sets you free. Religion makes us blind. Jesus makes us see. Religion is easy. Relationship is hard. Religion is in the head. Relationship in the heart. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Just to give, and if you don't have your Bibles, I think it'll be on the screen, but maybe not. To give it a little backdrop, to give it a little bit of context, we're going to have many people in this story today. We're going to have Jesus. We're going to have Matthew, the tax collector. We're going to have some other tax collectors, some sinners, the disciples, and the Pharisees. Matthew got a call to be a follower of Jesus, and he follows. But as we'll see this story play out, not everyone liked that. They felt like, not Matthew, not the tax collector, not those people, not the sinners, not them, Jesus, not the felons, not the drug addicts, not the divorced, not the porn addict, not that crazy lady from down the street, not the homeless, not the cheater, not the broken Jesus. I don't know about those people. See, what the Pharisees couldn't see in a problem in the closet today is religion will tell you you have to clean yourself up first. Religion will tell you to pull the mask out and put it on. Religion will tell you you're not welcome at the table, that you haven't earned your spot, that you haven't done enough yet. But maybe, just maybe, if you work hard enough and if you look good enough and you don't struggle with the big sins anymore, that you too could have your spot at the table. Have you ever been to church and you just felt like, I don't belong here? Have you ever thought those people would never accept me, the real me, if they knew my struggles, that they wouldn't want me around? Well, if you haven't, I have. I remember that feeling, God, I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I'm kind of crazy in my head. I don't belong in church, at least not the real me. But maybe, just maybe, if I put on a suit and tie, I'll look more like them. Maybe if I prove myself long enough, they'll accept me in. Maybe if I work hard enough, I'll become one of them. We're about to get into Matthew 9, 9 through 13, but I want you to know first, you don't have to work for your spot at the table. Your seat is already there. Let's read. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Let me repeat that verse again. Verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me, period. And he rose and followed him, 
period. Verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In reading this this week and kind of preparing, I've really had to think and pray. I've had to look in my own closet. I've had to self-evaluate. First, I had to check my pride last week, which was all over the place. And now I'm checking this other area that seems like the more I open it, the more that I see that it needs work. The more that I see that it needs help, the more that I've seen how much stuff I've hidden in there. My wife calls me, and maybe some of you other men can relate, she calls me a surface cleaner. One thing I found out since all this healthy at home started, and we've been spring cleaning, is just how true that is. See, a surface cleaner just kind of wipes off the top of areas and kind of just makes sure it looks nice. I was amazed when we started cleaning out the closets in our home. We had all of a sudden, we had so many extra blankets. We had so many lost items. We had so many just random things. You would never see it if you came over. If I invited you to my house, you wouldn't notice it. But as we pulled back the closets, I started to just notice how much junk was truly in there. It looked great on the outside, but the more we dug the more that I seem to find. And I thought just how true that can be with our lives. To the world of those around us, have you ever put on that fake smile, but deep down you was completely broken? You ever had to pretend? You ever had to just fake it until you make it? You ever got asked, how are you doing? And you said, man, I'm doing absolutely great. But deep down you was about to lose it and have a high speed come apart? If you didn't know, Matthew's table, the name of our church, came from these exact verses. Jesus sitting around the table with tax collectors and sinners. One of our favorite, favorite sayings at this church is, there's a seat at the table for you. If I can be real and personal for a moment, though, as I looked at these verses, as I prayed through them, and as we read verse 11, and the, Pharisee, he, the Pharisees asked the question of all questions, why does your teacher sit with tax collectors and sinners? As much as I would love to get up here and act all holy and righteous and maybe even lie to you, I didn't need the Pharisees to ask that question for me because I felt it in my own heart. See, what I think that we can overlook sometimes, and maybe this is a stretch, but I get that Jesus can save you, and he can save you, and he can save the addict, and he has a, a plan for everyone else, and that y'all have a spot at the table. But deep down in my heart, as I cleaned out my closet, I realized that I hardly ever feel that way about myself. Have you ever been asked to pray out loud, and immediately you thought, why are they asking me to pray? I don't pray good enough. I don't know the right words to say. I've been there. See, I can tell you guys that you don't have to work for your spot at the table. Meanwhile, I'm looking for a mop and a broom. I can tell you that 
Man, you only have to worry about what Jesus thinks about you. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, do they really even like me? I could tell you, hey, give it all to God. Give it all to Jesus. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm looking for a solution. See, the truth is, relationship is what Jesus wants. But as I cleaned out my clothes and I realized religion, more times than not, is what Jesus gets. See, when the Pharisees ask the question, why does Jesus sit with tax collectors and sinners? I think in my own head, why does Jesus sit with Nick Martin? Why does he love me? Why did he call me? Why did he choose me? Why did he save me? Why does he use me? Have you ever thought the same? We felt like we've had to impress people, religion. We can be so critical of people, right? Well, I wouldn't have done it this way or I wouldn't have done it that way. And what we're really saying is they should be more like me. They should be more like us. That is what the Pharisees wanted. Jesus, you're sitting with the wrong people. Jesus, you're wasting your time with them. Jesus, they don't meet the qualifications. But here's a thought. If Jesus made them more like me and more like you, they would still be sinners, right? They would still be lost. They would still be in need of God's grace, right? The best thing we can do at Matthew's table is say, hop in the boat. Pull up a seat beside me. From the pastor to the God that just used, we're all in need of Jesus. We point past ourselves. We point straight to him and straight to the cross. Verse 12 and verse 13. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire what? I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Newsflash, you are not the standard. I am not the standard. We are not the standard. We spend far too much time thinking about, I can't believe he wear, he's wearing a hat in church and not enough time thinking about and worshiping God's grace. We spend too much time thinking about maybe they got that wrong and they don't believe exactly the same and not enough time thinking about if it wasn't for God opening my eyes that I probably wouldn't believe myself. Religion is behavior modification. Act better, do better, play the part, act the part. Relationship is heart change. Relationship is sonship. Relationship is Jesus telling Matthew to follow him, period. And he gets up and he follows him, period. Notice Matthew didn't say these words. Are you sure, Jesus, do you need time to think about this? Notice Matthew didn't say, what if I drop the ball? What if I fail you, Jesus? Notice Matthew didn't say these words. I need to pray about it first. Religion says this. I have to read my Bible. Let me check it off my daily agenda. Let me check it off my list. Let me just hurry up and get this done. Relationship says I want to get to know you. I desire to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. Relationship isn't just informational. It's transformational. Let me repeat that. Relationship isn't just informational, it's transformational. It's not just in your head, it's in your heart. Religion is praying out of duty. Oh my goodness, oops, I took two bites. I need to go back and pray, what are we going to do? Relationship is praying out of love and thanksgiving. 
Religion says, I, I have to give my tithe. Here you go, God, take your money. Relationship says, I get to give my tithe. I get to play a part in building God's kingdom. Let me tell you just how foolish religion is. What if I told my daughter Bella she had to clean her room first, cut the grass first, not say anything wrong, and ask politely, Dad, can I join you and Mom for breakfast? You would then look at me like a bad father, right? What if I told her, no, Bella, you can't eat with me and your mom today. You didn't do good enough. You didn't act right. You didn't spend enough time with me, but you can try again tomorrow. What my daughter Bella would learn is, if I do better, I'm accepted. If I act right, I'm a part. If she does what she's supposed to do, then she is love. That is anti-gospel. There is no working your way, deserving your way, and behaving your way for a seat at the table. He's not kicking away your seat because you don't have it all together and because you're not perfect. Jesus doesn't put people at his table because they're perfect. Jesus puts people at his table because they're his. Let me repeat that. Jesus doesn't put people at his table because they're perfect. Jesus puts people at his table because they're his. Soap won't do the job on your heart. Cologne will only hide the smell for so long. Cleaning yourself up first is anti-gospel. When you sit at his feet, when you spend time with him, his love will clean you up. His love will transform you from the inside out. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. I will give, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. One can go to church their whole life. One can learn all the Bible verses. One can sing all the songs, follow all the rules, and be a perfect, happy, white picket fence, model citizen, and still end up in hell and still not have a relationship with Christ. Socially acceptable sin is still sin. The God that has never taken a drink needs Jesus just as much as the guy that took 20 drinks last night. The couple that's never been divorced needs Jesus just as much as the couple who just got divorced. The lady that only posts happy-go-lucky in scripture all day long on social media needs Jesus just as much as the lady who just posted a bad picture on social media. Religion, what it does, it places sin on a scale. Relationship put Jesus on a cross. It was his love for those people, for sinners that he died for. Jesus didn't die for your Sunday's best. He died for your Sunday's worst. Jesus didn't die for your pretty smile. Jesus died for your wicked heart. Jesus didn't die because you had it all together. Jesus died when you was an enemy of his. Roger Chilton quote again, you want to be humble, you want relationship, then bow at the foot of the cross. I'm a sinner who sins. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, not just today, but every day. Jesus, I need you at my best just as much as I need you at my worst. Jesus, I'm sorry for putting you on the shelf when I feel like things are going great and taking you off the shelf when things get a little bit messy around me. Jesus, I'm sorry for spending more time or less time with you depending on how I feel. And Jesus, I'm sorry for thinking that those people need you more than me. Jesus, I'm sorry that I feel like I have to earn my spot at the table. Think about a relationship, any relationship for a second. How long would that relationship last if you just spent time with them when you felt like it? 
Think about how long if it would last if you said, well, I know, about, I know enough about you now. I don't, get, I don't need to know anymore. Think about if you told them, man, I just did that because that's what I'm supposed to do. Do you think they would feel loved? In cleaning out my closet, that's what I figured out. That's what I found out that I can do. In this spring cleaning, look, I absolutely love our worship uh, team. I think we have the best worship leaders in town. But I can raise a hallelujah not just on Sunday. I can raise a hallelujah not just when it feels good, not just when we have this uh, nice equipment set up. I can raise a hallelujah right there in my pajamas. They can raise a hallelujah right there in DCDC. You can raise a hallelujah right there in your living room. Matter of fact, we're about to do that. And it's about to be awkward, but I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Out from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The is alive. Amen. I guess the worship team felt like I needed harmonization. <laughs> but look, I get it. You can raise a hallelujah right where you're at. The gathering is shut down. God's people can be more free than ever. The building is shut down. Your seat at the table is never shut down. You can, we can't meet at this location right now, but I pray that the people at Matthew's table never stop meeting with the good, good father. Like I said earlier, they can take religion. It's man-made. They can never take relationship. They can never take your place as sons and daughters of the king. All that stuff that, you know, all these things that we've created seem to be less important, huh? When we open these doors back up, you can wear a hat, you can wear pajamas, you can dance, you can sing, you can raise your arms in worship, you can sit there, but never let us as a church sit there with, a, with an attitude of what are those people doing? There is no looking the part. I believe that for far too long. Like I said, I've always questioned my spot at the table. What's Nick Martin doing over there? God can't use me. God doesn't love the real Nick Martin. In 99% of areas in my life, no matter of fact, 100% of areas in my life, I've been disqualified, passed over. I've had to earn, had to work for it, not with God. He said, I want you, the real you. You can take the mask off. Pharisees, you can keep looking. You can keep wondering why. You can keep asking questions, but praise be to God that he died for sinners. Amen. You a sinner? Me too. Thank goodness because that's who he died for. Pharisee or not, you can join in, but there's only one king at this table. So I'm going to tell you, you probably can't see it on Facebook Live, but I got a chair right beside me. I'm going to tell you to pull your seat up. This right here is my seat. He's not replacing me with someone that's more qualified. He's not throwing me away when I get old and rusty. He's not saying that I'm not good enough for my seat. This is my seat right here. And if anyone asks you what you're doing in your seat, you can say the king invited me to it. The king prepared it for me. The king himself sent me here. 
I'm saying that now. The king put me in my seat. See, if the king sits you there, they can't tell you to get up. If the king sits you there, all they can do is whisper and wonder, why would the king invite someone like me? He invites you because he loves you. He invites you because he wants to. He invites you because he is good. Don't believe the whispers. Don't believe the lies. My seat at the table, your seat at the table should move us to worship. Our seat at the table should call us to bow down. Our seat at the table should move us to pray for the person who doesn't know they already have a seat at the table beside you. Religion will leave you unfulfilled and worn out wondering, am I doing a good enough job? Relationships, yes, just enjoy the job that I've already done for you. Let's look at the prodigal story. The prodigal son, he went, he asked for his inheritance early. No surprise, he went and squandered it, went and wasted it all, and now he's in a, now he's in a, a familiar position. Luke 15, 19. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Religion says slave. Religion says hired servant. Work, 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 do, do, do. Make me one of your hired servants. The father responds and praise God, this is how he responds. Quick, that's nonsense. Bring the robe, put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And look at this, not just any calf, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. That right there is relationship, that's sonship, that you've always had your spot at the table, that your seat has always been there, that's whether you've forgotten it or not, you have always been my kid, you have always been my son. Cleaning at your closet, spring cleaning means looking ourselves in the mirror. Spring cleaning looks, it means looking deep with down and saying, is this me? Has pride begun to sneak in on my life? Am I comparing today? And today, looking at relationship and religion. We all got it. We all can be religious. I can. And I'm praying that God removes that from my heart. I have those people, honestly, who I think that are better than me. I have those people who I feel like, sadly, are worse than me. I have those people, if I could be real, that I felt like are lost causes. You know who had a seat at the table, though? God's table's always had some misfits. God's table always has some people with some past at it. God's table has some broken people around it. Let's take a look around God's table. Jacob, a liar, what's he doing sitting at this table? At another seat at the table sits Rahab, a a former prostitute. What's David doing at the table after his affair? What's Peter doing at the table after denying Christ? What's Paul doing at the table, a murderer of Christians? What's the woman at the well doing at the table? What's Joe doing running a rehab? What's that dude doing teaching Bible study? He don't have all the answers. Are you serious? What is that girl doing praying? She was just talking crazy a few weeks ago. What's Roger doing in ministry? What's Tamara doing running kids table? What's Nick even talking about today? What I'm talking about is this. We are those people who love those people 
who know God can save those people and know that God can use those people. Let me repeat that. We are those people who love those people and believe God saves those people and know God can use those people. But like I said, fair warning, this table is messy. This table has some problems. This table probably don't have all the answers, but God loves this table. God uses this table. And more importantly than that, God died for this table. If you're listening and don't know him, there's a seat at the table for you. Text that to someone when I get done. Say, pull up a seat with Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. God doesn't save perfect people. He's the only perfect one. We're going to keep cleaning out our closet, but realistically and honestly, it's always going to need a little bit of work. God's not done with the yes. He's, he's pruning us. He's molding us. God is spring cleaning. Turn to him. Run to him. Let him clean you. Repent and confess your sin. Confess your need for Christ. Religion is man-made. Relationship is God-made. Turn to the only one that can save you. Pull a seat up at his table because he prepared it for you. Worship team, you can start to get ready. One thing I used to fear was these verses. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. It reads this. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast demons out in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I would declare to them, and this is the part that scared me. This is the part that terrified me. This is the part that had me worried. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I used to read these verses, and they, they used to stop me in my tracks. I used to think, good Lord, these people didn't get in. They prophesied in his name. They casted out demons in his name, and they done mighty works in his name. I used to think, why didn't they get in, God? They seemed like good candidates. You didn't know them. They did a lot of great stuff. At least they looked the part. They played the part. They dressed the part. They acted the part. I used to read those very verses and wonder, God, they thought they was good. How am I to be so sure? I'm probably a lot crazier than they are. And they thought they was in. They probably went to church their whole life. Maybe they knew all the scriptures. They probably knew all the Sunday school songs. But that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is in the head. Relationship is in the heart. Our good deeds, they won't get us in. Our church clothes, they won't get us in. And according to these verses, even doing things in his name won't get us in. So if not them, then who? Who can get in? Who is worthy? Let me wrap this up with a true story that happened to me about a month ago. We have new neighbors that live directly behind us, and I think they're from overseas. They're from England or something. And we did the neighbor thing as they moved in, and we may have waved back a time or two just saying, hey, how are you doing? If you've never been to my house, we have a, a huge, giant cross in our backyard that was there when we bought it. One day, I'm taking my dog outside, and as the neighbors, you know, as we tend to do, we wave and we wave back like we always had. 
He then yells down something. He says, hey, neighbor, I'm Christian. And without even me thinking a beat, without even me thinking about it, thinking he probably just seen that big cross in our backyard, I yelled this back boldly and confidently. That's awesome, man. I'm Christian too. And I walked back in my house. 30 seconds later, I realized just how foolish I was when my, I remembered that my wife told me that our neighbor's name was Christian. I was like, wow, Nick, who even does something like that? Only you, Nick. So my neighbor Christian, who now thinks that my name is Christian, has probably has no idea that in that brief exchange of me too, bro, I'm a Christian also, that I really thought that we had connected on some spiritual wavelength. That wasn't it at all. True story. See, you can look the part. You can act the part. You can even have the name Christian. But like I learned that day, that doesn't mean Christian. That doesn't mean relationship. I seen a guy come here one time, a long time ago. He showed up in a suit and tie and he looked real nice. He pulled me to the side that day and said, can I ask you who's preaching today? I said, yes, it's one of our pastors. His name is Roger. And I pointed Roger out. I could see this guy, he was boiling mad. He began to look Roger up and down and he said, how dare him preach without a suit and tie on? He doesn't even look like a pastor. As I'm writing this and finishing it up, I'm thinking, people go to hell when church closes every day. Matthew's table, we don't want religion, we want relationship. Be reminded, there's a seat at the table for you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.